This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, listeners. This is a Horticulture Hangover, and I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And... Uh, my buddy Leah is on vacation, so it's just me flying solo this week. Um, you can call me with your gardening questions, any questions you have about plants, landscaping, trees, um, vegetables, uh, fruit trees. Uh, you can call in at 512 836 0590 or 877-590-5525 and uh, you can also text at that number if you're shy send me a text message or you can send a picture of a plant maybe there's a plant that you don't know the name of that you'd like to know go ahead and give me a shout and um, today, September 9th, from 10.30 to 12.30, after my radio show here, I'll be leading a tree identification walk at Pease Park. And if you're interested in attending, you can come on down to Pease Park. Um, they do have registration at peaspark.org. That's P-E-A-S-E, Pease P-E-A-S-E, peaspark.org. And again, I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. And, um, you know, everybody knows we're going through this terrible drought. I've got just got back from vacation myself and um, was flying in. I had a window seat um, and I could see the landscape change. I started out from uh, sh Chicago. I had a connecting flight in Chicago. So I well, looked out the window the whole time from Chicago to Austin. And I could see the landscape get go from green, green, green to brown, brown, brown. Um, looking really hot and dry. And um, so don't forget to water your trees. Um even mature trees, big mature trees can benefit from getting some water. And um, the way that I like to do that is to uh, get a five gallon bucket and drill holes, small holes in the bottom of that bucket and put the bucket around the um, drip line of the tree, so that's the very ends of the branches, the tips of the branches. That's about where the feeding roots of the trees are, out at the very ends. That's where the little small roots are that actually do the absorbing. So don't water the trees right up by the trunk those are those roots there are the supporting roots that hold the tree up um, and but the tree the the roots that actually do the drinking and feeding are out at the tips of the branches 
So put your bucket out there at the tips of the branches and then fill up the bucket and it will slowly drain out of the bottom and you can move it around to uh, maybe four sides of the tree, north, south, east, and west, something like that, to give it some water. If it's a really big old tree, um, you might do 15 gallons at each spot, north, south, east, and west, so a total of 60 gallons um, to give them a nice deep drink. I uh, had a customer ask me this week, uh, they have an irrigation system. They're still using, uh, they're still able to run it once a week, but they felt like the trees weren't, still were looking kind of rough. And I, I told them to try using this bucket method um, because irrigation systems often don't water deeply enough to get to the tree roots that are down a little bit deeper than the other uh, plants, especially turf grass. Um, the turf grass tends to be, not always, but can be more shallow rooted than the tree roots. So sometimes it can be beneficial just to give the trees a little extra water if you can. I know a lot of you up in Williamson County are on uh, you know, outdoor watering bands. So the, you know, the trees are gonna hang in there, mature trees are going to be really, really stressed, but uh, they're going to start losing their leaves. So don't be uh, too alarmed. That's normal. They're all starting to drop their leaves now because it's so dry and hot. Um, so just hang in there. You know, you'll see them. They're definitely suffering, but um, we're going to be, you know, it's going to be okay. Uh, it looks like we're getting some cooler weather in the forecast. So, all right, we have a call from Austin. Hi, this is Colleen. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh, Deaton Bednar. Hi, Deaton. How are you? Well, I'm struggling with bears breeches. Okay. I love I love them, yeah. and I've got three, and this is like the second or third year. And I'm wondering if the pattern that I'm seeing is normal or if I'm, if there's something I could do to improve. Okay, describe the pattern that you're seeing. So it's fabulous in the spring. Mm -hmm. They shoot up the blooms. Mm -hmm. I notice that one gets a little more sun than the others, mm -hmm. and that doesn't seem to do anything but kind of slow it down a little bit. But in the summer... Uh, all of the beautiful leaves turn yellow, mm -hmm. and last summer, I just thought, oh, my God, it's probably dying, and I just left them alone, mm -hmm. and then, you know, new leaves came, and that was all good. This time, I decided to cut them off, mm -hmm. and now new little leaves are coming up at the bottom, mm -hmm. except the one that's getting the most sun, and this, when I say sun, they're in shade. Uh, under a pecan tree, uh, close to the house, uh, facing the southwest. Mm -hmm. So when the sun gets low, it is intense. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so the two that are in the shade have the new little leaves. The one that's got the sun beating on it, probably for only an hour, is um, not putting up any baby leaves. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, 
maybe I'm overwatering them. So I'm perplexed at this point. I just okay. love how they look. Yes, Deaton, all of that is normal. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. so, yeah, mm-hmm. they are cool, what we refer to as cool season perennials. So ah. they come up when the weather cools off, and then they bloom beautifully in the spring, and then they go dormant in the summer. So they're, they've got the opposite life cycle of other perennials. I want to go yeah. dormant in the summer. I know. <laughs> I pretty much have, I think. <laughs> okay, then question. So sure. this is, uh, it's, uh, it's at the front of my house, uh-huh. and I've got a little piece of art hanging on a water fountain, uh, a water spigot, but it's ugly. So what could I plant there? That would, you know, have spring and summer be wonderful while the poor baby and perhaps shade it a little bit more Mm. when it's so hot. What could I plant alternatively? Let's see. I like uh, shrimp plants. I have shrimp plants. Yeah. Um, Yes. And so you could divide the ones that you have if they're big enough. Well, question about here. that. Yeah. Uh, the, the one in the front, frankly, just blooms prolifically yeah. starting in the fall. It's, it's, it only has uh, leaves right now. And then I actually bring plants, uh, cuttings in, in November and December because they're kind of Christmassy. Oh, that's nice. What a so good idea. I'm not sure how that would be an alternative. What about, so maybe that, that one's blooming a little later because I think of them as blooming... Uh, a little bit in the spring and summer too. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But they do. But you're right. They do go into more of a, mm, you know, sort of a bigger bloom period in in the fall. So, um, what about uh, Turk's Cap? Would be another option oh. for the shade. Yeah, um, we have lots of Turk's Cap. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Turk's mm-hmm. Cap. Mm-hmm. So. Sounds good, but uh, Mm -hmm. something that would be different from that. I really like a plant called Mexican honeysuckle. Oh, Um, now you're talking Mexican honeysuckle. Yeah, orange flowers, and it's it has a close relative called um, velvet leaf honeysuckle. That the flower is a little more red. Velvet so, leaf honeysuckle. Yeah. That sounds delicious. So okay. Check those guys out and see if you see if those would fit the bill. All right. That sounds wonderful. Sure. Well, thank you. I listen to you every Saturday oh. and I'm shy, so I usually text, but when oh. I heard you were alone, I thought, okay, I can do this. Oh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. All right, Deaton. Thanks Have for a good morning. Thanks so much uh-huh. for calling. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, y'all the um Bear's britches is a really neat plant. Uh, you don't see them that often. It's a type of acanthus. And um, yeah, they have this unusual life cycle of uh, going through uh, the cool season with leaves and then blooming in the spring with these really neat uh, tall spikes of kind of purpley flowers that are really unusual looking. It's also known as the Grecian pattern plant because of the shape of the leaves and the size of the leaves that um, look like leaves that would be on a Grecian urn.
Um, and so they're really neat. Uh, and yeah, they'll go dormant in the summertime. So it is a good idea to have them paired with something else that will be blooming in the summer while they're going dormant. Um, it's a really good strategy. Um, I think one of my buddies at the Wildflower Center refers to that as time sharing. So we're going to go to a break right now and I'll be back. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover show. I'm from atxgardens.com. I'm a landscape consultant. I love to give advice to help my customers who are do-it-yourselfers. And you can get some advice from me today. Call me at 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. With your gardening questions, and you can also text at that number. And I got a great text question here from Steve in Leander. Steve asked, he sent some pictures of a, an oak tree, and he asked, What kind of oak is this in my backyard? And do you have any suggestions for homemade plant tags that will last? And that is a red oak. Looks like a Texas red oak, Steve. Um, and looks like it's in real good shape too. And um, for your plant tag question, yes, I have a couple of suggestions for homemade plant tags. Um, anything aluminum, I, I've done this before where you take an aluminum can and you can cut the can into little pieces and then use a ballpoint pen to make an impression into the aluminum. You have to wear gloves because it's sharp. The aluminum's sharp when you cut it. If you have tin snips, that works really well. Um, and you can cut the can up and then make an impression with a pen, ballpoint pen, into the aluminum so it's a permanent uh, permanent writing in there. And then you can poke a little hole in it and put a wire through it and hang that on a tree. Make sure it's really loosely hung on the tree so that it doesn't dig into the bark as the tree uh, branches grow in diameter. So that's that's what I like. I, I often buy um, plant tags like that, aluminum plant tags, because I often need um, lots and lots of them for, I take care of orchards. I help care for orchards and there'll be like a hundred trees in the orchard and we'll need, you know, a hundred tags. So I'll just go ahead and buy them. But just for your plants in your yard, the aluminum can thing works really well. So thanks for that question, Steve and Leander. And we have another question here um, where someone wanted me to uh, go over again the watering trees uh, using a five-gallon bucket. And the question is, 
I missed the first part of the tree watering via bucket. Did you say drill lots of holes in the bottom of a five gallon plastic bucket? If so, what size and how many holes do you recommend? Love you ladies and your show. Thank you so much. So yes, if you use a five gallon bucket, you can drill like three holes in the bottom and maybe like really small, pretty small holes. Like I think I did it recently and I used maybe like the three eighths drill bit so that the water comes out really slowly. Um, so that it just doesn't run off and it's able to soak in real deeply. So something like that, pretty small, like, you know, the size of a pencil, diameter of a pencil. Uh, and just, yeah, three or four holes will get the job done. Um, Jeff Ferris, who is up after me with his gardening show, Gardening Naturally, he loves five-gallon bucket. He's always talking about how useful five-gallon buckets are to have in the garden. And this is just one more use for the five gallon bucket um if you go to firehouse subs they have pickle buckets uh for a few bucks and the the money that you uh the money that you give for the pickle buckets goes to charity uh to buy equipment for firefighters so that's pretty neat that's usually where i get my five gallon buckets and then i got a wonderful picture um, from another listener just saying, what's this? And I'm looking at a picture of a little green plant with, it's kind of scruffy looking, kind of exotic looking. It has greeny white flowers sort of arranged along the stem and the flowers are tube shaped. The plant is very small and it's undeniable that is a type of milkweed. And I think it's the green milkweed. And I'm so delighted that she sent this picture of the milkweed surrounded by brown grass, <laughs> the lawn grass that this plant is growing in is all dormant kind of sad looking but this milkweed plant looks so happy and it is ready it's blooming and it's ready for the monarch butterflies to come through town on their way to Mexico and that is the only um, plant that the monarch butterflies will lay their eggs on are the plants that are in the milkweed family so it's a really, really important plant. It also has lots of benefits for other butterflies and insects too. So keep that plant. I'm so happy that you sent it and can see how the native plants are just enduring through this horrible weather and doing beautifully and blooming right on time, getting ready for those monarchs to come through and they're going to support all the butterflies that are going to start emerging here as soon as the weather breaks. So I'm so happy to see that picture. Thank you so much for sending it. And now, um, Denise and Elgin, I see you. We are going to need to go to a break shortly. So please hang on the line through the news. 
um, and the break that's at 8.30 and I'll get to you when we get back after the break. Welcome to the Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Okay, good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter. Leah is on vacation this week, so it's just me. Um, you can call in at 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. And we've got Denise from Elgin on the line. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Um, I have a question that I'm hoping you can help me with. Okay. I I really like the Laura Petalum. I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly. Yes, the, you got it. called Chinese Fringe. Yes. I, I love those bushes, and I have had a couple of them in the ground for about five years. And I, I have a new one that I put in a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But the older ones are not looking so well. They're, it's like they're struggling to stay alive. I don't know if they're short-lived plants or if they need something more than what I'm giving them. They, I am in blackland soil, mm-hmm. and um, they, they do get regular watering, and they have afternoon shade. So they get probably six hours of sun and then afternoon shade. Yeah, Denise, I love the Laura Petalums, too. Yeah, as you said, also called the Chinese fringe flower. And they've been hit hard um, the last few years, so it makes sense that the older ones are suffering. Um, a lot of people lost them. A lot of them died in the uh, ice storm in uh, back in February 2023, and then in winter storm Yuri 2021 killed a lot of them. So I'm impressed that yours are alive um, <laughs> at all. And what I found with the Laura Petalums is they, they can get a little yellowy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the leaves will turn yellow. They really prefer a little bit of acidification. And our soil around here, the Blackland Prairie soil, tends to be more alkaline. So it makes it hard for them to absorb the nutrients that they need. So I had good luck in the past um, using uh, organic fertilizers, liquid fertilizers, and um, spraying the leaves and also drenching the soil around them. Um, I used to use John's Recipe fertilizer for that. I'm not sure if it's still available. Um, There's another good one called Bioform. Uh, that would work well. Um, and all of those have, hu- they have humate in them that will acidify the soil. So what you really need is a humate. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I had um, actually fertilized them with the uh, Medina has to grow for plants. Oh, yeah. And um, I'd also, Espoma has uh, a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Yes. And so I had put that on the ground too. Uh, that, that's a pelletized form, I guess. And I have also heard that if you mix a little bit, like a tablespoon of vinegar and a gallon of water and just put it on the ground, not on the leaves, yeah. that that kind of helps too. But I, I've done these and, and none of that seems to have helped them much. And so I didn't know if they were short-lived or if there's a better plant 
for me in this area that grows in those conditions and has a some kind of of attractive flower or something. Okay, yeah, it does take a while for them to come around. Um, When you start using the fertilizers, it's not a quick fix for sure. Um, I really like the Espoma products and you could keep going with that, I think, um, if you wanted to keep them. But if you'd rather replace them, um, I think they're hard to beat because of the color. Is it in the shade? It's in afternoon shade. One of them gets a little more shade than the other one. And that one, I am fearful that it's probably over three quarters dead. Yeah. So, I know might, it's wait and see after this yeah. hot summer as to what comes back. But if I have to replace it, I'm thinking, what would I replace it with? It's in a primary place. They're everywhere. Yeah. I just love them. I know. I love them too. I really like abelias. Um, I think abelias could be a good choice for replacing them because they also bloom and they are evergreen. And there are dwarf types now that also have colorful leaves. Um, right, right. So I, think, I, I probably have about seven of those around. Yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. I love those too. Yeah, I really like them. So that would be my top choice. But you can decide if you want to keep going with the fertilizer. The has to grow is not a good choice for plants in the ground um, because the the balance of nutrients isn't right for plants in the ground. Has to grow is really good for plants in pots. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So you'd want to switch um, to something with a higher first number, um, okay. like John's recipe or Bioform. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Denise. All right. Very Good helpful. luck Thank with the so Lorepetalums. Your You're welcome. Thank Thanks you. for calling. Bye bye. Okay. Next, we have Terry and Westlake with a question about live oaks. Hi, Terry. You're on the air. Yes, good morning. Can you hear me well? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Thank you. So this has to do with trees, um, heritage trees. I have two uh, clumps of trees that sit within 18 to 24 inches of each other in my front yard. And they provide, their one set is a, uh, are, are, is a clump of large heritage oak trees super large canopy that helps provide all sorts of wonderful shade on the passive solar home from the 70s. Mm. And uh, I'm very highly conscious of water conservation. I have been that way since since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually my whole life, my dad always encouraged, uh, you know, minimal shower usage and mm. uh, kind of Navy style being on a ship in World War II. Oh, wow. And he taught me that at a very young age, you know, to rinse off soap up, turn the water off, soap uh-huh. up, rinse off. And <laughs> wow. I've done that my whole life. And I'm in my 60s, so I'm, I'm very cautious. So as a result, uh, so to the right of those heritage oak trees is a clump of what I've just now realized after 30 years of living in this house. Mm-hmm. That I used to think I was a pretty aware person. I've got a clump of Spanish oaks on the right, and I've lost a lot of Spanish oaks mm. on my half-acre property over these past uh, couple of years with the two storms that the previous uh, caller mentioned um, and the drought. So I, st- I, I had let my grass grow. I had a little 400-square-foot patch of grass out front that it was always my main green space on the whole half-acre property that I would water and take care of. Well, I let that go 
about last fall because and that you know then we dragged all the trees from the back out to the road and so okay good i didn't replant that well not so good because the canopy of the trees is where you're supposed to be watering mm-hmm. and so i started putting water just recently over the last couple of weeks i didn't water all summer uh-huh. I did not water that area. And so the last couple of weeks, I thought, I think I better do that. And I called Natural Gardener, and they said, I said, you know, I think I'll put in the artificial turf grass under there. Well, they said, no, 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 don't do that. Yeah. Because then deprive nutrients and water and so on. Yeah. So I started watering, and then I looked up with my next-door neighbor the other day and some friends walking in the neighborhood, and I looked up, and the clump of trees on the right turns out those are Spanish oaks. Yeah. So those are the, uh, the Spanish oaks we've lost over and over and over again. And so I'm wondering, and, and it's brown. One of the three shoots up from the base is brown. To the left are all, like I said, 24 inches away, still all very careful, you know, together, appear like they're all part of the same heritage oak group. Yeah are those live oaks. They seem to be, knock on wood, doing okay. Yeah. Any suggestions as to what I should do now? And I see that pieces of bark have come off, you know, like 18 inches uh, up and down vertically have come off of that group of uh, Spanish oaks. Mm-hmm. And it's the tree, the leaves are all brown at the top. It's just, it's like, I'm done. Yeah. Any suggestions? Yeah, Terry. Um, so the problems are with the Spanish oaks, correct? The problems you're describing mm-hmm. are in the Spanish oaks. I'm glad you asked, Terry, because someone else text, texted in with questions about the Texas red oaks, which are also known as Spanish oaks. Who They're having some similar problems with them and asked if they're, you know, subject to disease and... Um, what you're describing with the bark coming off and turning brown and stuff like that, to me, it sounds like uh, holdover um, damage from the winter storm where, okay. you know, they got damaged. Um, the The Spanish oaks and the red oaks, Texas red oaks, were very, they're very susceptible to the cold, extreme cold that we've had the last few years. And so to me, it sounds like it had some cold damage, but didn't kill the tree. And then something happened either, you know, the cold damage wasn't able to seal over and the tree maybe got some kind of infection because of the wound that was caused by the cold damage. Um, And now the tree's declining further because of the drought. And that's pretty common with uh, with the red oaks, where sometimes the cold damage doesn't show itself for a long time later. And it's it's common for the red oaks too, as they age, um, they do kind of lose their vigor. They don't live for years and years and years the way that the live oaks do. Um, okay. <clears throat> so as they get older, they do have a tendency to decline. They also have a tendency to fall over if they're growing in clumps um, okay. with multiple trunks and one growing out of one spot. So, okay. I hope, yeah. So, Terry, get a certified arborist out to take a look at them um, okay. and see what you can do. But the good thing about the red oaks is they do grow back from the ground. Uh, so they regenerate that, yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. I did notice that mm-hmm. ones that fell over in the back yeah. and left 
after the freeze and left like a root ball the size of a small Volkswagen. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> right. and, and now they're like, they're like coming back. Yeah. Up. Yeah. They'll grow back. Yeah. Yeah. They go through, they go through that so, cycle. Yeah. And, 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 and so I guess, yeah, I should get the certified arborist out yeah, and let Terry. them assess and tell me, you know, because I don't want it to fall in my neighbor's yard and yeah. tear down my new, my fence. Yes. Yes. Again. Good idea. Uh, so, yeah, excellent. Terry. Thank you, for, thank you so thank much you. for calling. And John, I see you Appreciate on the line and uh, we've got to go to a break and I'll get to John after the break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning. This is the Horticulture Hangover. And we've got John on the line waiting patiently. John, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Thanks for waiting. Oh, no problem. So I do uh, landscaping professionally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this year's been a little bit different just because of the extended heat. Yeah, just uh, a little bit. Heat. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, normally, uh, in about a month, or actually a little bit less than that, I would be getting into aeration mm-hmm. and top dressing for the fall. Yeah. I'm just worried that it's going to be burning the grass. I, I do dill dirt as my, my top dressing. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm just concerned that it's going to burn the grass. Uh, do you think I should wait off a little bit longer this year? Um, I think it depends on if you're using bagged Dillo dirt or if you're getting um, Dillo dirt delivered in bulk. It's going to be bulk. I usually get yeah. it from Gardenville. Yeah, I think if I'll you're yeah, create more plant. Yeah, yeah, Dillo dirt's wonderful, and I think um, it's going to be too hot, but. Check out the weather forecast. The long range forecast looks a little more optimistic. Um, okay. So hopefully it'll. Usually, yeah. Usually I do a fall application and then yeah. also do spring with my post and pre emergence. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I'm usually so busy in the fall uh, with planting and stuff that I do. I usually do top dressing in January. Uh, December and January, I like to do it then because then there's no risk of burning at all. Um, But yeah, when you get it delivered in bulk and it tends to be still kind of hot, the compost tends to be kind of hot. So yeah, you'll just have to use your judgment and see what happens in the next couple of weeks if if things cool off or not. But yeah, um, if you're doing it in bulk, I would wait if it's still, you know, temperatures are still over 95 that makes sense um, yeah no that makes perfectly sense because you're still composting yeah heat come off that but yeah um, i have uh i've never have done it just because of the cost Mm -hmm. um but i've actually heard that the best thing to do is actually miracle grow straight from the bag and the reason they say that is uh you have zero chance of adding any uh germ seeds uh i mean uh uh weed uh weed seeds from the from the dirt well, does that make any sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I always go organic, so I don't ever use any of the Miracle Grow products um, because, especially on turf grass, uh, the the fertilizer, the Miracle Grow fertilizers are so volatile um, that it's basically uh, most of the nutrients, especially the nitrogen, just evaporates into the atmosphere. 
or if we get a really heavy rain, um, it it will wash off into waterways and pollutes the waterways. And that's part of the reason why we have um, algae blooms in all the uh, waterways around Austin. Um, So I don't recommend the miracle Grow products. And uh, with Dillo Dirt, it's really unlikely that you're going to get weed seeds in it because it's so highly processed and um, so hot. It's so hot when they make it that it the heat from the processing of making the Dillo Dirt kills most of, most of the weed seeds. And Dillo Dirt sure. is really highly tested. So um, I think you're doing the right thing by sticking with the Dillo Dirt. And one thing I yeah, like to do... Good. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Sure. Uh, I've always I've always had really good luck in the past with it. I've never had any problems. But I did see... I follow a YouTube guy and mm-hmm. some of those people can take it off on the wrong path but uh he's been pretty consistent on his advice and he tried it one year he i guess he lives up north mm-hmm. um and uh he literally i saw it in one of the jobs he did it was straight yellow and green bags everywhere so he was doing it but mm-hmm. he had great results but um i've never done it here south or, or ever done it before so yeah i think it has there's a lot of problems with it and the, the other thing that happens with the miracle grow products are, or non-organic products i should say is that they can harm the microbial life in the soil which is what you're trying to build when you're using dillo dirt which is a type of compost so sure. when you're trying to build that life in the soil and then you go and you put synthetic fertilizers on it that damage that life in the soil Basically, what happens is the plants become dependent on you to provide that synthetic fertilizer for them. And so if you ever miss an application, there's no fallback plan. There's no critters in the soil to help uh, support them. Um, So, John, thank you so much for your question. And I've got to close out the show here at 859.